focus our attention briefly on the subject of time. I read something very interesting this week. The oldest uh, person in the world is a female who lives in Japan. She is 117 years old. And I got to thinking, you know, in the 1920s, as they began that particular decade, she was approaching her late teen years. You know, you can imagine what a lady who's 117 years of age has seen during her lifetime. But one thing I found, found very interesting in uh, what little I read about this older lady was that she was very cognizant of the fact that her life had just quickly flown by. I'm not expecting to live to be to the age of 117. I'm surprised I'm where I am now. But you know, we aren't guaranteed any number of days here upon this earth. It's difficult for me to fathom that we are in the year 2020. That's one of those dates, you know, when I was growing up that just seemed so far away. And I think it's especially true that when we're younger, we don't really take time very seriously. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Paul said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. What I want us to do tonight briefly is to look at a phrase, now is the time. And based upon this scripture, I believe there are some things that we need to consider. There are some things that we need to think about. Very simple things. And yet, they greatly impact our lives each day. Some things that we need to consider regarding time so that we might make our calling and election sure. I want to suggest first of all tonight that now is the time for every person who's outside the body of Christ. If you're not a Christian, now is the time for you to obey the gospel. Because you see, every day you put off obeying the Lord, you're outside of Christ, you're outside of forgiveness, you're outside of the hope of heaven. And right now is the time when you need to think about obeying the gospel. You know, obedience is essential if we want to be saved. The Hebrews writer said that our Lord is the author of eternal salvation to those that obey Him. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. In our scripture reading just a few minutes ago that was read in your hearing, we observe the fact that one who hears the Lord and obeys His words is a wise man. While in contrast, the one who hears the Lord's word and does not obey, that individual is a foolish man. Over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 7-9, through 9, we are warned that those that know not God and obey not the gospel will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And so I believe that right now is the time when you need to resolve to make that decision, if you need to tonight, to obey the gospel. And you need to stop and think about what is involved in obedience. 
First of all, you need to realize that you're lost outside of Christ. You need to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. You need to consider the fact that every sin you've ever committed since the day that you became accountable until right now, every single sin you've ever committed remains unforgiven. Is it possible that there's one or more in that particular situation right now? That's why it's so important that you hear the Word of God knowing it is the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And you need to believe that Word. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John 20, 30 and 31. And you need to determine that you're going to repent of your sins, as our Lord said in Luke 13, verse 3. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of life. And you ought to be willing to confess before others that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then make that decision to be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3 and 27. The purpose of that baptism is to wash away your sins, Acts 22 and verse 16. Now is the time for that to be done. And there are many reasons why... People excuse themselves from their obedience to the gospel. Someone may say, well, I've just done so many bad things. I just don't think it's possible for God to forgive me. But stop and think about those on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. They were guilty of crucifying and killing the very Son of God, and yet... Peter told them what to do to be saved. He told them to repent and be baptized. Or you think about Paul who characterized himself as being the chief of sinners. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Paul was exceedingly mad against the church. He even had a hand in taking the lives of those who were Christians. He made havoc of the church. I don't think anybody anywhere has done more harm to the church than what Paul did. And yet Paul obeyed the gospel. His sins were forgiven. Somebody else says, well, you know, I'm just afraid I can't hold out. I'm just afraid right now that, that I can't live it like I need to, and so I'm going to wait. And yet Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, it's not just up to you. You don't have just your own power. You've been assured by God that you can do all things that God requires of you to do. There's not one single requirement that you cannot obey. If you'll submit your will to God's will with His help, you can do anything that God desires that you do. Somebody else says, well, I just don't want to go against my parents or my family. I, I feel like that, you know, if I do what God says to do and what I see in His Word I need to do, that I'm judging my parents, that I'm going to condemn my family who maybe hasn't done those things. But you know, everyone needs to love and honor and respect their parents and their family. 
But don't you think that every family member would want you as an individual to do what you know is right? You know, our Lord said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You need to understand that when you obey the gospel, you don't condemn anybody. You're simply doing what the Lord said you must do to be saved. It's the Lord who saves. It's the Lord who will ultimately condemn. All we can do is fulfill our individual responsibilities and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody else may say, well, you know, I've got plenty of time yet. I'm just going to kind of sit back and see what's going on in the world and kind of enjoy things. And I know that as time goes by, there'll be an opportunity and I'll obey the gospel. Sadly, though, that time never comes for many people. James says our lives are like a vapor. They're here for a little while and then they vanish away. The wise man said, don't boast yourself of tomorrow, for you do not know what that day may bring forth. Proverbs 27 and verse 1. And I suggest to you tonight, if you're outside of Christ, if you're not a Christian, now is the time to obey the gospel. Now is the accepted time. Now's the day of salvation. Secondly, though, tonight, I want to suggest as well that now is the time for every wayward member of the church to come back home. Now is the time if you have become unfaithful to God, if you become lax and somewhat lukewarm and unconcerned about your service to the Lord, now is the time when you need to make your life right. You know, we have many examples of those who came back to God once they obeyed the gospel and became involved in sin. We read about Simon over in Acts chapter 8 that he believed and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs that were done. But when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. He said, give me this power. I want to be able to lay hands on people so that they can do these miraculous gifts. And Peter said, Simon, your money perish with you because you bought, thought that the gift of God can be bought with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter your heart is not right in God's sight. And Peter told Simon, you repent of this, your wickedness. You pray to God that the thought of your heart might be forgiven you. Because Simon, you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. What happened here? Well, Simon obeyed the gospel. But it's so easy, isn't it, if we're not careful to go back into those old sins, that old manner of life. And boy, for Simon to be able to lay on hands like the apostles did, wow, that would be an amazing thing. I could make a lot of money doing that. 
He offered them a lot of money to be able to do that. But Simon had become unfaithful to God. What was Simon told to do after he obeyed the gospel and after he once again fell into sin? He was told to repent and he was told to pray. And that's exactly what some need to do today. You think about the prodigal son who is a prime example, an individual in Luke chapter 15 that said to his father, I want my inheritance now. And he left home and he went off into the far country of sin. He wasted his substance in riotous living and began to be in want. There was a great famine in the land and he was desperate. He didn't have his friends anymore when his money was gone. And out of that great desperation, he got a job that perhaps was the most insulting and humiliating job he could possibly have. Out of his desperation, he was sent into the fields to feed swine. And out there in that pig pen, eating the very slop the pigs would eat, the Bible says he came to himself. He said, I'll arise and I'll go to my father. And that's exactly what he did. He humbled himself. He repented. He went back to his father. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Just make me as one of your hired servants. And oh, how the father was so willing to welcome back that wayward son. And may we always realize that God is waiting to welcome us back into His fold. And now, today, if we find ourselves in the situation the prodigal was in, we need to realize our lost condition. We need to be willing to make our lives right and come back. Let me suggest, though, in the next place that now is the time for every Christian to Press on. Now is the time for us as Christians to, to grow, to resolve that we're going to become busily involved in the Lord's work. You know, I don't believe we as Christians oftentimes just go out here and do those things that are deliberately wrong and sinful. But it may be that sometimes we lose our focus a little bit. We find ourselves not growing. We find ourselves not really advancing spiritually, and we simply cannot please God unless we're growing. You know, some needed to return back to the basics according to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. The writer said, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you should have advanced, you have need that one teach you again, that which be the first principles of the oracles of God. You know, do we have more knowledge of the Bible and more information about God now than we did a year ago? As we look at our lives, do we find ourselves perhaps more actively involved now than we did a year ago? Or are we just in the same old, same old? There's no real development in our lives. We're not challenging ourselves to be better and to do better. It may be that, that one is advanced in years, but one has not advanced in spiritual growth.
You know, Peter admonishes us in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18 to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, how long have you been a Christian? Are you growing? Are you working diligently to build up the Lord's kingdom? And then let me suggest in the next place, let me challenge your thinking by suggesting that now is the time for this congregation as a whole to do more in advancing the Lord's kingdom. Now, of course, what we do collectively cannot begin until we resolve to do what we need to do as individuals. I think, first of all, as a church, we need to stop and realize what our purpose is to begin with. You know, it's good that we have all the activities that we have, the fellowship, the get-togethers, and things of that nature. But that's not the purpose for which we exist today. Our purpose of existence today is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. The challenge that Jesus gave back in the first century is still the challenge that we face today. To go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's our goal. That's why we exist. That's our purpose. And of course, we can certainly uh, do well in carrying the gospel if we try to reach out to those who are needy. James says that a part of pure and undefiled religion is to take care of the fatherless and the widows in their afflictions. We certainly need to help those who are in need. We need to help those who are in our community. But our purpose in doing that is not just to help them in a physical way. Ultimately, the purpose of that is to try to lead them to Christ. You know, if we somehow become complacent, we can become like the church at Laodicea. The church at Laodicea, Revelation 3 and verse 16, was just lukewarm. They weren't cold. They weren't hot. They were just kind of drifting along. And the Lord said, because you are lukewarm, I will spew thee, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Tonight, we need to understand that as a church, we need to do more and more to advance the kingdom of our God. But lastly tonight and quickly, I want to suggest as I conclude that now is the time for every man, woman, boy, and girl to make preparation for the time of judgment. You know, just as surely as we are here tonight, one day all of us are going to stand before God in judgment. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, It's appointed unto man wants to die. After that, the judgment. And I think the older we get, the more we realize that, that we're all going to die. One day we're going to stand before God in judgment. 
And knowing that's the case, we need to prepare for that time. You know, suppose you're taking a class, maybe like our college students. You're taking a particular class and the only test that you're going to have is the final. Now what that means is, is that you're going to pass that class, you're going to fail that class based upon how you do on that final exam. And the teacher gives you all the information you need to know. You're not without knowledge of what's going to be on that final exam. What do you do to prepare? Well, you give it the time that is needed. You study. You discipline yourself. You make sure that you're ready to do the very best you can do on that particular test because how I do is going to determine whether I pass or fail. And one day, we're going to stand before God in judgment. The Bible says that God commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17 verse 30, because He hath appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness. Now is the time that we need to begin making preparation for that day. Amos said long ago in Amos 4 and verse 12, Therefore thus will I do unto you, O Israel, and because I will do this unto you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And I believe that admonition that Amos gave long ago is just as important tonight as it was in the day in which he gave that so many hundreds of years ago. And so as we have begun a new year, as we face many challenges, as our time seems to be so lacking in so many areas, I hope we'll realize the importance of using our time wisely in the service of God. Now is the time to obey the gospel. Now is the time to make your life right if that's your need. Now is the time to grow and advance in the Lord's kingdom. Now is the time in which we need to make sure we are ready for that great day of judgment. Tonight, if you need to respond to heaven's invitation, we ask that you come now.